Hi, church. Welcome. Glad that you're here this weekend. Um, before we do anything else, next weekend is a huge weekend. We're very excited about it. and want to take just a moment uh, personally to do two things. First, I want to make sure you know um, uh, how, how, uh, how invited you are. We always say bring guests, but you to us are our VIPs uh, uh, in particular. We, we just can't wait for what God's going to do with our church. So I want to make sure you know we, we're inviting you and also want to encourage you to bring somebody. Please be aware, all of our campuses, because uh, it's such a busy weekend, a big weekend is what we call it, um, we've adjusted service times to accommodate that. And the way you would find out about that, simply uh, stop by the orange wall out in the foyer, and we'll have all the information. There's actually, uh, you can take home a little invitation that'll have all the information that you could give to somebody, but be praying about it. Ask God if maybe there's somebody that you should invite, and if the Lord puts somebody on your heart, bring them. But if not, we look forward to, uh, to you being here and to what God's going to do. Super excited about Easter and our uh, series will come to a conclusion next week and I think you'll be really um, pleased with the idea of the cup of praise, the cup of satisfaction and I, I don't want to give it away right now so uh, we'll jump in, uh, got your notes, get them out, uh, welcome all of our campuses right now, all of our visitors, glad that you're here, it's our Easter series, uh, the name of it is called the Four Cups, we take that uh, actually from the Old Testament, the Passover, uh, actually the longest running uh, continual celebration in the world today is the Passover. We bring it into the New Testament because as believers, we celebrate Jesus. And on Jesus' last night on the earth, uh, he is actually celebrating the Passover. Most of us now come to know it uh, as communion. But somewhere between the Passover celebration, what Jesus was doing, and what we do, is a little bit of missing information. So our series has been primarily tied to the idea of what are the four cups and if I broke it all down real quickly, here's what I think it represents to us today. The four cups are the four core promises that God has for each of us. And as we've taught our way through this, uh, the four cups just simply are found in the book of Exodus. I'll read it here in a second, comment on it, but we're on the third cup today. And uh, let's, let's go ahead and we'll jump in here. Exodus chapter 6, uh, verses 6 through 7. Uh, the Lord is speaking to Moses and begins simply that way. I am the Lord... And every time you see an I will, that represents one of the cups or one of the core promises. So uh, the first one was, I will bring you out from under the slavery of the Egyptians. That was the first week. Uh, that is uh, the cup of sanctification. Our word for that would be the cup of salvation. And what I simply taught is that salvation is an all-encompassing work. The first major, greatest pro uh, promise from God. And it's simply the promise that uh, he, he's done all the heavy lifting. Our job in that is to simply believe God and, and salvation is ours. But the other three promises have a little bit to do with us. So the second one went this way. Uh, I will deliver you from their bondage. Sounds like the first one, but what we actually taught was uh, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, but then he had to get Egypt out of them. We talked about how that uh, represents in our life, moving on from just salvation, I'm going to heaven, to salvation, God has redeemed my entire life, and how we enter into that. Uh, and then number three, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. We're going to talk about that one this weekend. And then uh, number four, and we'll cover this uh, next weekend, I will take you to me for a people. I will be to you a God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So we're going to deal with the third one today at the transition point, just simply the cup 
of redemption, and what God says is, I will redeem you uh, with an outstretched arm. So let me just talk about redemption according to what the Bible means right here. I think um, the only redemption growing up that I ever remember, for those who, who, who might have ever paid attention to it, if you ever looked on the back of a bottle or a can, there would always be some little five-cent redemption in Maryland or Michigan or someplace. Ever I lived, there was no redemption for it. But bottom line, we don't really understand the idea of redemption. Redemption is not some uh, nickel and dime thing. Redemption is actually to have what was wrong put back right. Maybe a better way to say it is for the original intention of the person to be put back at the level it's supposed to be. So here's the idea. God creates us, creates us in a perfect environment. Uh, I've said it before, the two most important days of your life, the day you're born, the day you figure out why you were born. God creates us with, with something that all of us are created to do, to be, to express. And when we do it together, it makes a beautiful whole. The fall of man, though, causes that to get messed up. And then people are all over the place trying to figure out, why am I here? What does that look like? Uh, it's, it's the one issue that I know without the help of God, without, without knowing what the owner manual says, it's really hard for, for the product, for the creation, to figure out why they're here and what they're here for. And this is the promise of God right here. I will redeem you. I will show you why I created you and, and what your life is supposed to look like. So redemption is the idea of, of uh, literally uh, a repair. It's the idea uh, to restore back to the original condition. Uh, maybe two ways to look at it would be this. On the television, it seems to me, probably the two most popular programs uh, on TV anymore are car restoration programs and house restoration programs. So the car ones I am way into. I love to see them take, especially old muscle cars. Maybe it's just the, the age that I grew up in, but when they take an old muscle car that is just ratted out like, uh, you know, Gas Monkey Garage, one of those, I just, I love it because they don't just take the thing and do some slight cosmetic uh, uh, mend to it. They take it down to the very frame and sometimes they even make it a better frame than how it came from the factory. And when they get done with it, the thing is so incredibly beautiful. I like that idea because that's what God, God doesn't come in and simply sort of um, straighten up the paint on the outside or, or give us nicer clothes to wear or uh, a, a better looking attitude. God actually promises from the inside out to change us, to, to make us into the original uh, intention of what he had for us. And by the way, what does that look like? Uh, the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. We're, we're to look like Christ when it's all said and done. And there's, there's just so much into that. And the second one would just be the idea of uh, so many house uh, uh, situations on TV where they take the house down to the nub and then rebuild it. Those I'm not such a fan of, but Chris loves those. Uh, in particular, uh, she loves the fixer upper show where it's the couple that work together and they just take the house you know that's just sort of a wreck they meet the people and then design the house and when they get done with it it's so incredible I like those two examples because it gives an idea that God is not just into uh, some some slight repair work he promises renovation from the inside out to make it brand new to put it back right uh, maybe the way to look at it is it's even better when he gets done with it than what we what we start with 
So uh, if I was going to then just take you a little bit further in the idea of redemption, uh, of, of God putting it back right, uh, using this scripture, here's, here's what God says uh, he will do and the way that he will do it. So the first thing that just stands out to me here, uh, his outstretched arm. So just read it again. Uh, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the slavery of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. So let me just talk about God's outstretched arm here uh, for just a second because it's really cool wording. It's actually a word picture uh, and I'll, I'll give you a thought right here. First and foremost, the idea that it's his outstretched arm, this is God's work in our life. This is not us trying to redeem ourselves, us trying to figure out what our lives should look like or the direction that we should go or what the finished product should be. And sometimes when it gets messed up, it's because we take that into our own hands and we think we know this, this was what would make me happy. This is what would fulfill me. This is what would, would be the issue. And that's, that's not it. It's, it's allowing uh, the, the one who created us, the one who, who manufactured us, who programmed us, whatever word you want to use, the one who did it, he knows what will satisfy you, he knows what it's supposed to look like, and you, you, you're supposed to put yourself in his hand. He stretches out his hand to help us, to redeem us, to, to bring us back. The word picture here uh, actually comes from the book of Psalms. David said these really powerful words in Psalms 40, verse 2, uh, he said, he, speaking of God, look at the wording, lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. The idea here is that David finds himself stuck in a pit of despair. Whether it's depression, whether, it's, whether somebody did it to him, pushed him in, or whether his own sin uh, knocked him, whatever it is, here's what God says. Regardless of why you're in the pit, I put my hand out to help you. That's the God that we serve. The God who is always putting his hand out to us and offering us the opportunity for a second chance for the hundredth time, regardless of where you are. He is merciful and compassionate, and his idea here is not just simply, let me get you out of trouble, it's let me put you on the rock and make you what you're supposed to be. Now, in a negative sense, let me, let me throw out an idea here. Uh, because we happen to be the reigning world champion Denver Bronco town, I've got the perfect example of this, and I don't remember exactly which quarter this took place, but as we were watching the game, the Broncos playing the Panthers, uh, we're watching the game, you knew right off the bat Denver was serious and that Cam uh, Newton was in trouble. Man, they just pinned their ears back, they were coming after the guy, and somewhere uh, into the third quarter, it was right about that time, uh, Derek Wolfe, had been just terrorizing uh, Cam. Von Miller is coming after Cam. Uh, at one point, they were just knocking him, harassing him, and I, I saw Derek Wolf get a shot on Cam Newton, knock him to the ground, and I saw Cam Newton do what I think um, it would be what we all would, would think to do, but he shouldn't have done it. Derek Wolf knocks him down, and Cam sticks his hand up for Derek Wolf to help him off the ground. And Derek Wolf just looked at him, walked right by, and left Scam, uh, Cam hanging on the ground 
with no help up. In a negative sense, that's, that's the idea. Man, when you're down, the only way really up is to put your hand up. Here's what God is saying. Even before you put your hand up, I put my hand out to you. I offer to you my compassion and my mercy, but not just to get you out of trouble, to reestablish, to, to rebuild, to refurbish what's broken or what's missing or what's gone. Really, that, that's the, the vision of this church is behind the idea of the recovery and the discovery of the promises of God. And the main one is that God is always merciful to us, always putting his hand out. Second Chronicles uh, chapter 16, verse 9. Uh, 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 man, you talk about an obscure scripture. I remember reading this, I, maybe, maybe when I very first started teaching 30 years ago, I used this scripture, and the Lord brought it back to my memory when I was thinking about how he puts his hand out to us. But it reads this way, the eyes of the Lord search the entire earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Imagine the God of the universe looking every day throughout the earth for those who love him, for those who are looking for him. And God is searching for opportunities. That's what this means. He's searching for opportunities in your life to put his hand out, to reconnect, but not, again, just to help you get up. It's to reestablish you to the original intention of creation. I love this. Uh, actually, Exodus, where we pull the Passover story from in Exodus 6, I start in verse 6, but verse 1 begins with God saying, here's what I'm going to do. God establishes that he's the one who's in control of this. He's the one who's behind this. He's the one who's thinking of this. And I love the idea of God with his outstretched arm helping his people, reaching out and, and, and picking us up again. Uh, the second thing then that I, that I see here that stands out to me when it comes to the idea of redemption. So it says, I will uh, with an outstretched arm redeem you and with great judgments. Now let me, let me just throw this out to you here. I don't know when you read this, if your mind works like mine does, my first question is, uh, who is God judging? Is he judging us? Is he... Um, is he like, uh, so, so with, with an outstretched arm, I'm also going to correct what's, what, what you're doing. Right? That's, here's who God is judging. God is judging the enemy of your life for what he's done in your life. It's God himself saying, first of all, I'm going to lift them up. And second of all, I'm not going to let you get away with what you've been doing in their lives. So who is God judging? The very enemy of your soul. In Genesis chapter 50. Verse 20, I think one of the greatest scriptures you can read on this, uh, Joseph, after uh, he has risen to the position of prominence uh, in, in Egypt. This is the beginning of Israel's trouble. Before they needed to be delivered, uh, Egypt was actually a blessing to Israel and Israel uh, to Egypt. And Joseph is the second highest in command. There's a famine throughout the land. I won't take the time to go there. But his brothers come for help and they don't recognize him because he looks like an Egyptian. The makeup, the hair, the whole, you know, whatever. And, and they, they don't recognize who he is. And he, he plays this game with them to kind of see where their hearts are at. But when he reveals himself to them, they think he's dead. They sold him into slavery. Their first thought is, uh-oh, uh, we're in trouble. He's going to kill us. 
And his response to them when it's all said and done is this really powerful uh, uh, statement. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. I think the best way to interpret that scripture, the reason that's in the Bible, uh, it's a type and a shadow. It forecasts who God is, how Jesus operates. And so here's what it's saying to us. What the enemy has intended for evil in your life, God is able to use for good. He is able to take those things and turn them into his purposes. Uh, so, so you go, well, in my situation, I can't imagine how God would do I can't imagine it either. That's the great news. I, he's God. He, he's saying from the very beginning, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to put your life not only back together, but I'm going to make it what it was supposed to be from the beginning. And I, so sometimes this sounds like, it's, Pastor, it's just too good to be true. Do, I mean, does God really feel that way? Here it is. It's, it's right here, and this is why he says it. Uh, if you take that same thought, into the New Testament, Paul, the, Paul actually, I think, he is thinking of this scripture in, in Genesis 50 when he writes Romans 8, 28, which says, and we know that in uh, all things. Look at that, in all things, uh, in everything, in, in whatever happens to us. We know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So God's judgments in this situation is not God judging our lives, judging our stuff. It's God getting, getting vengeance for us against what the enemy has tried to do to us. Whether he lied to us, uh, whether he has tripped us up. Again, what, even if we did it to ourselves, here is God saying, I'm going to stand strong on your behalf. I'm for you. I am not against you. I, I, I am your God. All right, let me, let me go here then. Uh, maybe this part of it uh, becomes, becomes the key. Remember, these are, these are four core promises that God has for us. And if this is what God wants for us, then, then we should want this for us. We should be saying, that belongs to me, that's mine. All right, so salvation, that, that's the very first one. Uh, we want that. This deliverance or freedom, we want that. This one, redemption, I just call it the cup of restoration. These are God's promises. Salvation stands alone in that that's his work and his alone. These other cups, though, to drink of them, you play a little bit of a part. So I tried to separate. It's God and God alone's arm that will rescue. It's God and God alone who will stop the enemy. But what part do you play to be able to drink out of this third cup? And I just put it here in the notes our part in redemption, I think, is found uh, right here in Romans chapter 12. And so Paul is writing to a church, and he writes these words, uh, Dear brothers and sisters, that's how we know it's to a church, not just to the world at large, brothers and sisters, believers, I plead with you to present your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be your body a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. That is the way to worship him. All right, so what is this saying to us? Our job in redemption, uh, it's going to sound simple, but it's a little harder than just, just the, the semantics of it. Our job in redemption 
is just simply to present ourselves to God. So God is saying, uh, man, I, I put my arm out to you. I will stand strong over your life. Here's what, whatever the enemy is, is saying, whatever the enemy is trying. I am more powerful and I will use it to bring about good things. Our position in the whole thing then is this one statement. Present yourself to God. Give yourself, open yourself Uh, uh, find a time in your day if not times in your day where you stop and you say to God here I am to present yourself is literally that here I am the word actually comes from uh, the Hebrew and it actually is the uh, the Hebrew word uh, in the Old Testament for hotel and when I look this up it's an interesting thought here because I could not connect the two things together how does present yourself and and lodging or or an inn um, be, be, the, be the, the, the connecting word. Here's what, what I got from it when I, when I studied it out, when I looked at it, when I figured it out. Um, when you go on a vacation or you, you take a trip, a business trip, whatever it is, if you stay at a hotel, the one thing that uh, you, you have to do in the process, you have to go in and present yourself to the people at the front desk or the people where you check. The, the process of here I am, I'm ready to abide. That's actually the idea, I'm going to abide. It goes back to the Old Testament, those who abide in the presence of You have to present yourself to God to abide in him. If you don't present yourself, God can stick his hand out. God could stand strong over your life. But if you don't, if you don't say, here I am, work in me, do this in me. Yeah, God, I present myself to you. It's like, I think so many of us ask, where's God? Why isn't God doing things in my life? Why don't I see God moving? Like, you talk about these things, Pastor, and you say these things, and I feel like maybe God does that for you, or maybe there's a situation for some. I don't feel like he does it for me. So my question would be this. Do you present yourself to God? Are you aware? It's, it's not as though God becomes powerful when you, pr- God is powerful all the time. But you keep yourself from entering in if you don't present yourself to God, if you don't give yourself to God. So uh, talking about redemption, I remember my pastor, uh, John Stocker, teaching here at our church uh, a few years ago, uh, presented the idea of, of of redeeming a coupon. And I would love to take credit for this illustration, but the truth of the matter is, uh, it was his. But man, it stuck with me through, through the last several years. And here's just simply what he taught. Um, he got a coupon for McDonald's in the paper for a free Big Mac. And on the back of the coupon, it said the value of this was like, you know, point zero 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 one or something like that. Uh, the, the value intrinsically is not in the paper, and the value is not just simply in him. Uh, look, it may be good for a Big Mac, but you can't eat a coupon. A coupon does you no good until you take it to the restaurant. In this case, the, the McDonald's. Once you take the coupon and present it, then you can redeem the promise of the coupon for the value. Then you can eat it. Then you can enjoy it. Here's the promise of God. I will put my hand out and I will pull you out of the place you are. I will set your life on the rock. I will form it and make it what it's supposed to be. I will stand, and even what the enemy has done, I will turn it for good. But your job is, you've got to redeem the coupon. You can't just look at it and go, oh, that's neat promise. God, 
catch me on the way home. It doesn't work like that. You've got to go and actually present yourself in order to redeem on this promise right here. And this is where so many people miss this promise. They're just like, it sounds great. I would love God to do that. You've got to present yourself. You've got to, you've got to make that effort to say, God, here I am. Speak to me. God, here I am. Fill my life. God, here I am. I need this in my life. No matter what God wants, here, here's what he's done. He's limited his interaction with our will. So that if we're just like, hey, God, I, I don't want that. God's done the most powerful work in the world. But there are people who don't enter into it simply because they say, I don't want it. In a manner of speaking, when we don't present ourselves to God, what we're doing is bypassing what he has for us. And what a shame that is. Because how, how many of the promises of God do we, do we miss out on? Because we're not entering into to what God has for us and what God wants for us. All right, so here's... Here's how we want to take this weekend then and work on this weekend for our close. There are two, uh, two things that we want to do this weekend. We're going to take communion again. Uh, so on your seat, you will find our little compact uh, communion. And again, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is not my favorite way to take communion. I enjoy it much more uh, when there's actually a physical person who is presenting to us the cup, presenting to us the body. We take it in the idea of community, communion. But in this case, for, for our, um, our purposes of being able to illustrate the message and to enjoy what God has for us, we're going to use communion again. The reason I'm doing this, each one of these cups, the reason they were cups, the reason that Jesus is doing this as a supper and telling the disciples, uh, eat this and drink this and do this in remembrance of me. And, and then Jesus himself says, I'm not going to do this again until we do it together in the kingdom of God when, when the, the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. But in the meantime, we're supposed to be doing this to remind ourselves of who Jesus is and what his promises are. And the reason we eat it and drink it, we're supposed to be taking the promises into ourselves and again I want to give you the demonstration the idea that this, folks this is not just simply it, it's not uh, it's not a nice sounding message it's not just simply like oh no God, God's just nice that that's these are the core promises of God of how he wants to redeem our life to not just help us up but to 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 put us back to the original intention the reason we're here in the first place so when we take this we're reminding ourselves, God, I believe your promises. In fact, here's what it really is. It's a way for you to present yourself to God and say, here I am. I take the time right now to take your promises into my life. I believe them. I need them. God, I present myself to you. So I want you to take, take your, your communion right now. And uh, if you haven't done this before, what you'll do, pull back the, the top layer so that you can get the wafer out. And then there's a second foil that I want you to pull back and hold on to them for just a second. We're gonna do this together. All right, so remember, the four cups comes from the Passover. Jesus, on his last night on the earth before he gives up his life for us, is celebrating the Passover, and this is what he teaches his disciples. Do this while you're remembering everything that I've done for you. And for some of us, 
this is really maybe a monthly occasion, and, and if we're traveling or out, maybe we're not even doing this, but once every three or four months. What a shame that is. Almost every day we should be communing with God, literally communing with Him. So I want you right now just to, to think about the promises of God. Think about God putting His arm out, His mighty arm. Not, not some weak effort, not some second best, but God's mighty outstretched arm t- fully reaching out to you. That's what this is. It's him fully reaching out to you. I want you to think about that right now. And as you take it into your life, just thank him for his, for his promises, for his arm that's outstretched to us. Think of your life right now, whatever, whatever place you find yourself at right now, good or bad, uh, distant or close, whatever. I want you to see God right now reaching out to you again. That's what this is. And let's take this into ourselves together. The Bible says that in the exact same way, Jesus took the cup, and that literally, he's talking, it's talking about the four cups. Jesus right now is taking, this is actually the third cup, the the cup of redemption uh, that Jesus is actually in the Gospels. When he says, take this cup and drink, it's the third cup, the one we're talking about. Jesus is saying, I am the Redeemer. I'm the one who's going to do this. Remember this. It's the new covenant now. Take his redemption into your life and let's drink together. Lord, I just would ask that whoever and however, whatever, the condition is of the person who is partaking of this promise that they would not find themselves thinking I'm too far away I'm too far gone nor would I want someone to sit this weekend and hear this and think hey I got everything good and going on I I want us all to be in the position of God no matter where I'm at I need your arm I I I need your help I need your life and I need your promises. God, I want you to work in my life and work in me and help me. Help me. Father, redeem me. God, regardless of where I am right now in space and time, even if I feel like you've put together such a good thing, God, if I'm still breathing and I'm still here, then you're not done with me. God, continue Redeem my life and help me. Where the enemy comes in and condemns and lies and tries to sidetrack and distract, I pray you would silence him right now with your judgments. Tell him no more. No more. God, set your people's feet on a rock right now. And that rock is Jesus. And I just thank you for that now in Christ's name. Amen. So the other thing that we want to offer you this weekend at all of our campus too is the opportunity to be prayed for just a moment your campus pastor is going to come and direct that let me just say this to you if anything that I talked about in the message uh, you just like that's it you know somehow the Holy Spirit was able to just identify something and here's what I would say to you don't just walk out of the room and leave it undone what we offer in the manner of prayer in the front of all of our uh, auditoriums is just simply the opportunity to reinforce what God is speaking to you. It's maybe it's not the message. Maybe there's just something else going on uh, in you and with you, and you're just like, we need prayer. 
So we want to offer that to you, and in just a moment, we'll, we'll dismiss and let that uh, take place. For the rest of you, if you don't need that, uh, I want you to have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, bless you. Thanks for, uh, for listening and for being here, and uh, be praying. We'll look forward to seeing you next weekend, Easter weekend. Thanks.